Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on X. We are on X right now, you guys. It is wild. Maybe you're listening to the podcast later. Spotify, Apple, Google. Maybe you're listening on Google.com. That's a no, place you can yeah, listen to podcasts. No, you just so. type in Pete LePage and the podcast starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> wherever That's it is you're listening, wherever it is you are watching, we appreciate you checking it out. We have a great show for you tonight. We are in a couple, we're in different states. We're in three different states currently. Oh, shocking. I'm in New York. Pete, Good. you're in Maryland, right? Maryland, yes. Maryland. That's what Justin, you're down in Louisiana. Louisiana. Louisiana, Nola, the Big Easy, Woo-hoo. down here for work. Um, you, you know, we often talk about what great cocktail we're drinking. I'm drinking good old American hot coffee because I have an all night shoot ahead of me tonight. Uh oh, that's awesome. Unhealthy. Can I? Can I? Am I allowed to bring up the fact you just mentioned? It has nothing to do with comic books, but it uh, sure, yeah. So you're doing the shoot in a supermarket, of course, overnight because supermarket stuff happens during yeah. the day. And so I jokingly asked you, "Oh, can you grab whatever you want off the shelves and eat it?" And you said, uh, "That we can, if we want to get a snack, we can take a picture of it, send it to our production manager, and uh, they will buy it uh, afterwards." It, it, I'll tell you, it is weird to be in a grocery store at night because it's you just walk around if you want. There's mm-hmm. like all the stuffs you there. Find yourself in the candy aisle a lot, or are you just gonna? <laughs> no. The reason I don't, Pete, is is simple. I'm not Pete LePage. I'm a little bit different. So I'm not just I would just kind of find reasons to shoot over in that area and just be like, oh, gosh. You know. yeah. Can we shoot in the candy? Yeah. Could you imagine candy? if Pete was on that shoot? You'd uh, walk over to the candy. He'd be like, hey, where's Pete? Walk over to the candy aisle. He'd be like Garfield. In yeah. there, I'd be like, I it. ran out of room on my phone sending pictures to the production manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn around and say, help me, Justin, help me. I ate everything. (laughs) All right. Why don't we bring in our first set of guests for the evening? They are the creators of the new book from IDW, Kilmore, which is wild and violent and awesome. I'm very excited to chat with them about this. Returning guests, Scott Brian Wilson and a new guest, Max Allen Fuchs. Hello. Welcome, guys. What's up? What's up? Uh, So excited to have you here. Before we get into the book, though, I I wanted to tease something up here. Now, Justin, we didn't say this at the beginning, but it's down in New Orleans where Stray Bullet, Brett Macris, a real legit chef, uh, lives and works. And you've been hanging out with him. Famous down here. And every week he either curates or creates a cocktail for the show. And this week he created one for you guys 
Uh, this is a cocktail called the Mary Fuchs Kill More. <laughs> uh, and it's St. Germain, gin, which is the Mary, gin, which is the Fuchs. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. You are. You are. Okay, excellent. Uh, the Mezcal, which is the Kill More, cranberry juice, lime, and simple syrup. It sounds delicious. Uh, I didn't have most of these ingredients around at the current time, but I'm very excited to make this one. Um, so there you go. A cocktail. That's amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I just can't wait to have this shit. Let's yeah. try it later. <laughs> and, and Scott, yeah, I think good. you're the Mary in this scenario. Is the of thing? course I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. It's hard to hold on no, to. No other fucking option. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's chat about this book. There is. We got an advanced chance to read this. This is coming out on September 13th, I believe. Is that correct for my DW? Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. There are so many wild things going on in this book. I I hesitate to start describing the concept because I don't know what you do and do want to hint at or spoil. But uh, Scott, do you want to talk about the concept a little bit? Yeah, it's about a, um, a, a collapsing city that uh, becomes overrun by serial killers. Um, and the, uh, the, the two cops uh, who, who are still uh, around uh, the precinct who are trying to, uh, to, 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 take, to take him down. Uh, there you go. Well, that pretty much covers it. That's all the stuff I was worried about spoiling, so we can jump right into it. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't touch yeah. on the sheer number of uh, kills, murderers, and murders, and gristle that we see in this, uh, in this first issue. What's up, guys? Everything, everything cool? <laughs> well, Max, I mean, on that note, there are a lot of different kills in here and a lot of different ways. When you're drawing things like that, I'm sure at least a little bit it comes from the script, but how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it different? And how do you, how do you deal with drawing all of that gruesome stuff? I really don't know how other people aren't thinking about those things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there's, you know, it's not going to let up either. We're moving into working on uh, the fifth issue now. And you know, those, those are the scenes that I'm living for every issue. You know, it's like, I can't get, I can't, I can't wait to, uh, to get to a, another opportunity to uh, flex on some creative grisly murder scene. <laughs> wow. Well, and stop. are you guys like, yeah. do you have like a, a list of like, well, what if here are like a hundred ways for people to die and you're just <laughs> sort of picking and choosing as you go? Or how are you working through this? I mean, it's all driven by the story, right? You know, Scott's writing a very tight narrative here. And uh, I'll usually just add the the little sprinkle of something extra gnarly on top of it. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a kill in. uh uh issue four that is going to gross you the fuck out and it's going to blow people's <laughs> minds uh when it was in the script uh, it was very sort of mild uh because at that point i knew what max was going to do and i was like yeah just fucking go for it and uh it shocked me uh when i saw it so uh and then there, i think there's one in issue seven that i'm just i can't wait i know it's coming it's gonna be so much grosser and better than than i thought but um yeah, I mean, we, you know, there's a bunch of killers in the book, and you only get to see some of them in the first issue. Um, but yeah, when I was plotting it out, uh, I, I I made a a sort of I made an Excel sheet of all the killers and 
because I realized I couldn't fucking keep track of everything. Uh, so <laughs> just trying to each issue who appears, how many pages, what are they doing? Uh, just so that I could get the pacing right and the rhythm right. You don't want to go too long without seeing someone unless there's a story reason for it or, you know, you don't you don't want to make it look kind of haphazard. You want it to feel really, you know, um, correctly paced. So that was that that so that drove part of it, too, was like the individual stories of the killers when they show up. Um, and there's there's a lot of surprising things that are going to uh, that are going to happen in the book for sure. Well, could uh, you talk? Could you talk a little bit about the thematic nature of the book? Because I don't know if I'm reading this wrong, but it felt a little bit, I don't know if it started here, but it felt a little bit like you're playing with the idea of when a factory city gets abandoned and then taking that to the absolute biggest possible extreme. Is that kind of on the right track of where you started with or am I off? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of evolved from my, from my, you know, original idea, you know, you I just had the idea of a bunch of killers, right? But then you start <laughs> thinking, like, where would they function best? Well, it wouldn't be in a regular city because you'd be caught. You'd be caught too fast, too too difficult, right? Too many police, too many people. But if it was a city that, say, the upper and middle classes had fled because the industry left, right? Then you have fewer people. Then I started thinking, like, well, if there aren't that many people, a lot of cops are going to quit firemen are going to quit you know whatever firefighters fucking teachers everybody's going to fucking quit right like they're going to go somewhere where that's not dangerous and you know um so then i just realized like it would be like a playground essentially um uh but yeah i mean there's a lot of you know that's the you know the, the blood and the kills are the fun part but yeah there's a lot of like sort of social commentary and things happening as well right it's not just blood and guts um, but yeah, there's a lot below the surface if you want to sort of look into things and think about, you know, some of the some of the uh, things you're talking about. Uh, yeah, what I was thinking when I was reading it was that it the the killers almost feel like an inevitability, a natural disaster, like climate change, where like mm -hmm. there's no mm -hmm. way of stopping them. And our cops mm -hmm. who are sort of like the vulnerable townspeople as a giant tsunami of blood is mm -hmm. coming toward them. Uh, yeah, like, I think I feel like I haven't seen a story that that puts the the sort of heroes in such a vulnerable like lack of knowledge spot. Yeah, right. So I think Max Max was the one who said at one point he's like, "This is a book about compulsion, right? Not only the compulsion of the kill killers, because as you know, like you know, serial killers, it's like this compulsion, right? But also the compulsion of the cops who were staying behind under against every good sense." staying behind and working these cases right um and you know and i always i always sort of i'm always much more interested in the the villains and the bad guys you know and then the than the heroes so for me um it was just interesting to try to write a book sort of based around even though the heroes have probably more screen time in the end than, than the villains they're such overwhelming presence they're always aware of them right um and and for me that was sort of the fun the the sort of fun approach is 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 really starting with the with the villains and going from there uh um, max oh go ahead pete sorry yeah. you got interrupted before i uh, just wanted to say that uh, these covers are absolutely amazing the art is just super tight bananas it's really impressive what's happening in this book. that's a compliment if you're um, with how pete, pete but, thanks, thanks also we got, like we a lot of great people on those variant covers we were really yeah. lucky to work yeah, with these, uh, these folks. It was really fun to kind of uh, get a chance to see them all and stuff. 
This is an absolute nightmare book, though. I mean, some of this stuff just in the first issue has, has haunted me in ways that I'll never be able to forget. Um, are you worried at all about going too far? Because, like, this is just such a, like, if a city gets abandoned and then, like, you know, nobody's around, uh, like, the the creepiest people in the world to all come together in a way that is just something we've never seen before that is just absolute Peter are you worried this is going to happen like near where you live I, I, <laughs> I like... think that you know there is uh, you I, I can mean, see I... a, a, a version of this happening to a city in a, in a horrible way so the uh, so we're going down for Baltimore Comic Con this is a little bit of a side trip and I told Pete oh I got a Airbnb like I, I mean this walk I, away I, I just have a question about the convention center <laughs> I just have a question no, but this about... is what we're getting at right and you were like no you're gonna die you are no, going to die I'm just saying if you're that, that far from the convention center no, they're gonna no, kill no. you your first question was have you seen the wire <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you i i went to college in baltimore at the maryland institute college of art and i spent a lot of time as a poor college student just walking around baltimore mm-hmm. and uh, one of the this, this was a long time ago but one of the magical things about Baltimore is that you can be like in a really swank neighborhood one second with like beautiful brownstones, $2 million houses, and you can cross a street and be, you know, right next to a flaming trash can and, and needles all over the street. It's just like block to block, or at least it was. He's, so he's trying to save right. you, Alex. All right. No, it, I apologize. All, all that aside, um, do you guys worry about going too far with this in in a way that's like too scary or are you like ah let's keep keep it's, haunting people's dreams and and thoughts well put it this way it's not crossed right which is a book i really right. admire and yeah. i've read every issue of crossed i i think it's a, a fantastic book it's not crossed in terms of just being there for sheer grossness or sheer uh the shock value right i think a lot of the horror is in like you say it's it's in the between the lines the the psychological part of it you know and even in some of the even throughout the book a lot of the kills are left to the imagination right versus just always seeing everything right on the page which um I think that is pretty powerful too when you think because you know what's happening right you know you know what's happening uh you can hear it or 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 it's implied or you somebody goes in a room and you know what's going to happen you know so i think that can be scarier than just sure sheer shock value on the page which there's a place for that but we're definitely not crossed for sure max can you talk about the design of the killers a little bit again i'm sure at least part of this came from the collaboration and the script and everything but they're so interesting because they're not what you would expect from like slasher horror movie villains. They all have very different types. Anybody who's watching the live show, you got to see the old lady. People were joking in the comments that we finally find out Sophia's time in Sicily, what went on in this book here with that character. Uh, but you've also got <laughs> this got there. great character you introduced called the giraffe who... I don't oh. want to get into too many of the jokes, oh but God. the jokes were killer there. And then you have this other character that we saw here on the live show, just this really jacked lady with blonde hair who's running around the city pummeling people to death. So there was a lot of prelude for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what the stuff looked like. But uh, Max, could you talk about the design of the characters a little bit and how you embrace them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Scott's been living with these characters in his head for... <laughs> 
you know, the, the better part of a decade, maybe. Hope right? you're okay, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, you know, for, for all of them, he had a high concept. And for some, you know, we have uh, from his uh, creation of them, some guidelines for how they would look. And uh, like I said about the w w developing the kill scenes in the script, you know, I'm just coming along and sprinkling a little spice, uh, adding my own uh, ideas to it. Like you mentioned, uh, Lady Face Smasher. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, I think the description that scott put in the, in the original pitch packet that i was kind of working from initially was uh that it was it was like an archie girl face on a bodybuilder's body yeah yeah, be yeah betty, betty from betty and veronica yeah <laughs> uh so i Real sort of door. i jumped off from there and added some of my own influences into it um for ethel that's our old lady driver which was her original uh, designation in the original documents, old lady driver. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely took some Estelle Getty and uh, I mixed it in there you with a, a, a real life serial killer named uh, Dorothea Puente. Mm. She oh. was a, a boarding house killer. She ran a boarding house. She killed people who she brought into that boarding house and stole their social security checks. That's how they caught her. Wow. But if you look her up, I think you'll also find some resemblances there. Uh, so wait, we have a Betty, we have an Ethel. Scott, are these all named after Archie Comics characters? No, her name isn't actually Betty. Her name was just, oh, okay. I just said, think of Betty from oh, okay. Archie. All right. Except yeah. she's a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's that sweet ponytail, though. I, I love the it. The giraffe, moose, mm -hmm. right there. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but, you know... The thing is, like nothing I saw in my head was it was it was all totally steamrolled by what Max actually drew and designed, you know. Hmm. So it's not like I I created them in the the sort of large sense, right? And I gave a sentence about what I saw them as, but Max created them in terms of how they look, like entirely. Hmm. But the thing is, you know, when we when we were when I was putting the book together, and I talked to Max a lot about this too, is like. You know, if we were going for like a hyper realistic crime serial killer and it's full of serial killers, we would have a book of indistinguishable white guys, right? <laughs> Every killer would just be an indistinguishable white guy. And I said that would be super fucking boring, you know, because um, there's going to be so many of them. We need these visual sort of visual cues so you can tell who everybody is because they don't show up that much because there's so many of them, right? Like maybe a page, an issue, every other issue or something like that, depending on who it is. Um, so it, we did take this very sort of super villainish approach to a, a lot of the way they look um, to make them larger than life, to make them feel scary, to make them um, uh, uh, very visually, you know, memorable. Um, so that was, that was, that was our, our, our approach is really big bombastic, you know, visually. Yeah. I have a question about the setting. Um, we talked a little bit about it. Um, and one of the scariest things is the the hopelessness of the fall on the part infrastructure of uh, mm -hmm. Colonia, if I'm getting that mm -hmm. correct. The, the why did you make it a fictional city set, I guess, in the maybe near future, it feels like rather yeah. than a place uh, a real place. 
eh, it just it's more is more interesting right just to make it up then i don't have somebody going like well, actually elm street doesn't actually crawl. you know what i mean like who gives a fuck right who cares it's like we're just if we make it up we have total control over it that's like the simple answer like make it up total control no worries um and then the near future setting actually plays in pretty heavily to the book as it as it progresses um so there's a lot of, we have a lot of there's a lot of little things in throughout the book. Like we, we never really specify exactly when it takes place to sort of not date things, you know, like 20 yeah. years from now, you're like, Oh, you really fucking got that wrong. You know? So it's, so it's We're kind of way better about, off than this kill city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of where it came from. It was just, if we create it total control, no worries. We can do what we want. Uh, that said, Max, did you use any visual reference for the city and was it Baltimore? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was definitely pulling on my experiences in uh, in various cities. Mm-hmm. I've traveled around a fair amount. Uh, I used to work in television production, which it sounds like, Justin, you might know something about. He's uh, a line producer. Very dystopian. No, that's I'm that's not the a money man. He's the dude's all money. <laughs> <laughs> the line producer is always the person you want to be on their good side. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're getting that check to you. But I worked in reality TV and I traveled to a lot of really fabulous places and a lot of like junk places. I'm not going to name names after calling them junk places, but (laughs) I've been been in a lot of crumbling cities. I have so Um, many questions. What did you do in if you totaled uh, side trip? uh, What did you do? I was a camera, camera operator. Nice. Oh, man. You've seen so much. Which shows did you work on? What reality shows? I I did that for 10 years as a freelancer, so a lot of shows. My very first job was in pre-production, driving a grip truck for, at that time, a secret game show, reality game show, uh, called The Apprentice. Oh, yeah. Season one. Oh, boy. So I'm wow. aging myself here, dating myself. Mm-hmm. How uh, was how was the host of that show? Was he a nice I, guy? I never talked to him. You know, no, he doesn't okay. talk to uh, us. Let's <laughs> talk to the grip truck. Did no. you ever work? I can't at imagine wife he swap? was down there. Wife swap? No, no. <laughs> what was that? Did you work at Wife Swap, Pete? Because oh, we I did. That it, yeah. that show broke me. <laughs> oh man. Because you had to swap the wives back and forth. Yeah. You were in the yeah. wife swap. You had to swap negotiate this swap. <laughs> Max, what, uh, not to stay on this, but I'm curious, sure. what led to the career change? Or was it always in the background that you wanted to be a comic book artist? Yeah, I, I always wanted to be a comic book artist ever since I was a little kid. I was drawing comic book characters, making up my own. Uh, I started making my own comics and photocopying them. Uh, I think oh, when smart. I started, it was at my dad's office and I was probably using up all their toner. So then my mom <laughs> oh, started yeah. taking me to, you know, office max or somewhere and I would sell them at the local comic book shop. I always wanted to do that. And um, then I went to art school where they taught me that that was wrong. And uh, <laughs> in so many words, it took me, uh, it took me another 15 years or so to break the programming and uh, that's when I went back to school to the Kubert School. Oh wow! And uh, oh, awesome! You know, started the whole process from there. That's uh, you know, that's why my career has gotten started a little later in life than I think maybe a lot of other uh, people in the field. But, it's never uh, too late, man. You know, I'm uh, I'm I've got as much fire in my gut for it now as I feel like as when I was a 13 year old kid, you know, learning how to use a T square for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, and all that life experience, inspire an insatiable oh. bloodlust than working at, <laughs> <reality TV laughs> or that 
it's true it's true and, <laughs> you know also, also the value of uh, shot selection and uh of course there you go that makes all sense storyboarding all that uh i don't want to put you guys on the spot too much but obviously a big question mark that's happened over the past couple of weeks in particular is about idw originals and what's going on with them Obviously, your book is coming out, and that's great. There's a couple of other books that have been canceled or pulled for various reasons. Um, do you have any insight there? Was that anything you were worried about? Was there touch and go with your book, or are you good to go at this point? Um, we're good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. I think we we were. I think we were kind of ahead of the the curve. I think a lot of the books that got canceled were part of a, another wave that was coming and we had i a lot I don't, in the can yeah yeah we, we had already put a lot in the can like i said we're already starting into issue five now and uh, i i chalk it up to the the larger contraction going on everywhere uh, everywhere yeah yeah and i do well, hope that a lot of those projects you know I, i've heard about a lot of them and there's some cool stuff so i yeah. hope that they can find their way uh you know to uh, to another avenue to be seen yeah, I mean, that's what the sun. seems Agreed. to be happening. Obviously, you guys probably have more insight than I do, but it certainly seems like a lot of those projects have been given back to the creators so that they can take them to other publishers, that they can put them on Kickstarter or wherever. So I'm very glad to see that. Also very glad to see that you guys are going to get to do this book. Um, is this, at this point, is it planned as an ongoing, as a miniseries? Where is it at? Uh, it's eight issues, but eight two issues. of the issues are double sized. So it's essentially mm -hmm. 10. It's the length of 10 issues, but it's in, in eight. So five wow. and eight are, are double sized. Okay. Oh, awesome. Fun. Why yeah, specifically those issues? Or is that something you can't talk about yet? It's boring, long story, but it's that it is what it is. And we're, we're, we're psyched. It's actually, it's actually cool. Cause like, I think there's a lot to every issue. There's a lot that's, there's a lot happening in every issue. So I think like getting yes. double length is actually kind of, uh, kind of cool. Um, and then I think when cover price wise, it comes out to a dollar cheaper than buying two issues anyway. So hey, it's all right. awesome. Win win, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I mean, there's so much going on in this first issue already. It, it oh feels like a really good, not, not to use another, medium but it feels like a really good pilot to me just in terms of you're very clearly setting up these characters the situations mm -hmm. there's a lot of huge ideas but you have these literal cops on the ground who are giving us a sense of everything and it really starts to come together in a really nice way by the end of the issue so and the tone is the yeah. tone is so well said as well like which is something that i think is hard in any medium well, especially comics to really have a specific tone right out of the gate so yeah no i really mean it's, it's it, it thank you yeah it's it is it is uh meticulously plotted you know pretty much every page i had laid out what was going to happen so i could get the pacing right before i wrote the first issue so it's it's very sort of tightly um uh tight tightly laid out um to be a um super rewarding like um like a, a like a great tv show or a, a novel or something like that right where it's it's all this big one piece right being less it's it is sequential in the sense that it's each issue is tells a sort of its own story but it's just a big it's a big it's a big monster yeah and we put a lot of care into the tone of this thing overall too you know our our colorist yeah. has been just phenomenal uh valentina risky 
uh, we worked together in the beginning just to make sure that uh, we were we were making this this city feel the way it needed to feel, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, giving each character kind of uh, some signatures as far as as the color and the lighting and everything. I mean, Scott had been mulling over typefaces for the lettering for i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe a year or more before this was ever even like before we even yeah, had a well deal done it's you know really we would talk great. about you know the typefaces he's looking at like oh, i like this one because it's kind of condensed or you know whatever the case may be uh so ev- everything has uh every element has been uh, painstakingly uh, vetted <laughs> it shows and i feel a little burnt because you like Face Smasher took my diner order, and that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I like writing about. It's food. Food. Yeah. <laughs> in I mean, my, my last book was all about fucking fast food, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I like to fantasize about what my diner order would be. So part of that is just me getting fucking excited, you know? It shows in this book particularly. I was like, this is such a fantasy diner order to sit down and say all of those foods at once. Shout should we that. give him? Should I give him the scoop about my little Easter egg Ooh. that I'm Ooh. putting in? Yeah, every, sure. Yeah. Every issue, I've put in some reference to hot dogs. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can. There's a lot of there's there's a there's a lot of Easter eggs throughout. Not only like little things like that, but also things like. There are things in the first issue that you will have no way of understanding that they're even a thing until you get to the fifth issue. And then you go, holy fucking shit. And you got to go back and read it because now you're thinking about it with a different kind, you know, a different perspective. So there's a lot of things like that. And then the hot dogs, there's so many little things like every panel's got all sorts of shit in it, you know? Wow. Awesome. I'm going to have to go back and read it again right after the show to find out what was going <laughs> on about with the hot dogs. dogs. Yeah, I got to figure out the dogs. Uh, before we let you guys go, anything else you want to plug? Obviously, this is top of mind, but any other projects from either of you people should be checking out or places online or anything like that? Scott? Yeah, well, the, 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 the True Cult uh, trade paperback is just out uh, earlier this month, nice. also from IDW Originals. That's the book I did with Liana Kangas great last book, year. Yeah. Um, yeah, satanic uh, fast food crime book. Um, super happy with how that c- turned out. The cover is so fucking pink. It's you can see it from Mars. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, exa- it's exactly what we wanted. Uh, and then the other thing is, I have a book. Uh, the, it comes out the week after um, Kill More Number One comes out called. Uh, the left hand path and that's from a new publisher called uh, dead sky mm-hmm. uh, and that's a uh that's a sci-fi horror book uh with the artist uh ken nudson um and you think Kilmore is bleak this book is bleaker than fuck and i apologize but it's just a one shot so you just have to get yeah, through okay. it but uh right. yeah, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty brutal yeah and max what about you well i'm all in on Kilmore for the time being but um my Kickstarter project from a couple years back, my wrestling romance comic, The Motherfucking Fucker, about a giant <laughs> purple luchador and his lady love, Tigoria Killblood. I've been in the background working on a Motherfucking Fucker summer special, uh, which awesome. obviously is not going to be making it out for this summer because, you know, Kilmore has kind of bo- yeah. blossomed into this. Uh, consuming thing but i did decide recently that whenever i get it done i can kind of repackage it as the uh motherfucking fucker 
climate change forever summer special. <laughs> oh, smart, smart. Truth. Oh, so man. If, if we have to go that Bleak. way. But be, be, looking at, be looking out for that uh, at some point. Catchy title. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, awesome guys. Congratulations on the book. It is uh, amazing. Really, really great. I can't wait to to go back and check out the hot dogs, read the rest of the issues, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys. Good to see you. you. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is called Killmore. It's out from IDW on September 13th. Definitely check it out. It's awesome. And let's bring in our next guest into the stream. He is the creator of the new book, I Am Stan, which is coming out from Penguin Random House on September 12th. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Scioli. Hello, Tom. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Hey, first of all, did I mangle your last name? Is it Scioli? That sounded great. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Okay. Sweating that one a little bit. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is, as mentioned, also coming out in September. This is a graphic novel biography of Stan Lee that is told mostly through his words and the words of others. It's kind of a reported piece in a certain way. Uh, You certainly pulled on a lot of different material. Um, where Where did the idea start with this? Where did the research start for this? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea, like, doing a, it, it, I, I did a Jack Kirby uh, graphic mm-hmm. biography prior to this, so it's kind of like the a Stan Lee one is just the natural next step, but, mm-hmm. I, and, and the publisher did ask about that as a possibility, and at the time, I just wasn't, um, I was so, uh, you know, like, kind of uh, worn out, you know, doing that, the Jack, the Jack Kirby thing was such a big task and Stan is like a big part of that story. So like the idea of immediately going right back to work on a, you know, comics biography with uh, a lot of the same, you know, the same cast, it just, I just was not ready for it at the time. So I, I worked on a bunch of different other, other things and, you know, pitched a bunch of different things and stuff. But as like the years went on, I, you know, the, the Stan Lee thing was just in the back of my head. And I, I, you know, thought of like some ways of doing it that, that would be interesting and, 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 and would make sense. And so eventually I got to the point where like, I was like, yeah, I think I really want to do a Stan Lee book, you know, and then, and then it was on. Uh, Well, why this approach then specifically in terms of it's, it's really, he's in, I think, pr- not every panel, but pretty much every panel, almost front and center right there. It's very focused on his POV. Obviously, the book's called I Am Stad, but I'm wondering why that. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, like, he is somebody who was not shy, you know, like, really courted attention and, hmm. you know, wanted all eyes on him and, uh, you know, became, you know, as as he sort of evolved his public persona he became uh you know just yeah a very interesting person to watch like almost like he almost cartooned himself you know and and Mm -hmm. just was like a perfect fit for the comics medium so um you know i didn't i i didn't feel like a distance i didn't feel like you know um like i felt like you could just kind of point the camera at him and see where he goes and Mm -hmm. and you know just so I i took that approach with it what about the look of the book? It, it, it almost feels like this is like a um, a book you'd find like in a stack of comics, like in like oh, it's this great almost magical uh, history of of Stan Lee. Um, why'd you go in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I, like my my 
approach and style had just sort of been, you know, evolving in that direction to begin with, uh, you know, this, this idea of something like from another era and, um, yeah, feeling like it's always been there. But uh, the, the big change with this one was, um, just like the, the layout strategy, the panels, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot of widescreen. It's a lot of, um, letting like the action sort of just, you know, flow almost in real time. And then, um, the, the drawing style was kind of, um, you know, closer to like mid 20th century, like comic strip as opposed yeah. to comic books or, or, or humor comics, which, you know, Stan Lee did his share of humor comics, like in, in that sort of, you know, long career he had before he became, you know, like the 1960s Stan Lee that we know he had a very long career and, and worked in like every, every imaginable genre. And, and so it just, um, you know, the aesthetic just made sense. I kind of, I saw him in like sort of a, uh, like a madman kind of, mm -hmm. you know, oh, world, yeah, yeah. you know? And so that kind of like, you know, fifties or early sixties kind of look made a lot more sense as opposed to, you know, drawing it in, in a style that was, you know, closer to like an actual Marvel comic. Like that didn't, that didn't feel appropriate for the story of Stan Lee. One of the things you meant touched on this just a little bit before, but one of the things I'm always struck by whenever I read about his story and read something that encapsulates it like this is it almost feels to me like he he, he didn't want to do comics. Like he did so many other things, and there were so many other things that he tried to do, and then he got sucked into comics for a ton of his life, and he kept trying to pivot it to other things, and ultimately, that's the only place his life took him was that your impression writing this up as well yeah i mean i like i'd heard all the stories and and you know and you know that was that was part of his you know pattern and when he'd hold court it, it was sort of talking about how you know he, he envisioned himself as an actor or as a novelist and stan you know he chose the name stan lee because he didn't want to use his real name because he wanted to save that for his real career like i'd heard all those stories but just like in the research and like really digging with it i was kind of shocked like how true that was. Like I thought, oh, that's you know, that's kind of a funny thing to say. That that's that's a good soundbite. But yeah, it, it it really was true. He was he really didn't come from a a, a comics like fandom world. And he, and he was like he was there at the beginning of comics more or less. But he was like a little bit younger than Jack Kirby and and Joe Simon. But he was still young enough that he probably could like he could have enjoyed comics and and jack kirby too he he was never like a comics fan like there just wasn't such a thing but he liked he liked comic strips and things like that and, and he loved the pulps but i i feel like yeah yeah jack kirby and some of the other marvel people kind of like you know became fans of the medium and really loved the medium and loved what they could do with it but but for stan yeah he kind of um you know like he he got as much out of it as a person could but he did have, he had sort of like a social climbing impulse that I think comics were incompatible with. He's such uh, a complicated figure. I, over the course of researching something like this and working on it, does it change the way you perceive him? Do you like revere him less or, or how does it change when you're? Yeah, I mean, it. it is like if, if you if you make a book about somebody, you're gonna like, they're, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna mean more to you. Like even, even if, um, even if you came away, you know, not liking the person or, or, or something like, I, I don't know, like it would be hard for me to imagine 
doing something like this where, where I'm like in his shoes and seeing things from his point of view and come away from it, like disgusted with him or something. Like I, I didn't, I, I, um, you know, just, just had a ton of empathy, uh, for him, you know, for, for a lot of things, especially like the things that happened later in his life. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, 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 like, I, just, I feel like I just have like a clarity with him and, 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 mm. uh, just, I, I have a clearer view of things and, um, and, he is, you know, for all his faults, he is extremely likable. Like he, he you know, you, you do kind of like even, you know, some, some of his harshest critics and, and things kind of, you know, in spite of yourself, you kind of get, you know, caught up in this, you know, in that that world he creates. Well, uh, a couple things. First, we got to address uh, you're getting shout outs in the in the chat here. You do have incredible hair. So congratulations. Oh, on that. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, thank my uh, grandfather for that. Uh, well, nice. lovely. Uh, secondly, yeah, me, we got to interview him. He is a character and this book is so bright and uh, kind of really shows his love, uh, your love for him. Um, do you what are some of your just kind of like proudest moments or happiest moments about making this book that you were so happy you got to put this in here like this part that uh, you want to talk about or share for people yeah you know it's it's funny because it was it was the same thing with the jack kirby book like that my, my favorite parts like for me they're not necessarily the most profound parts or maybe the parts that would stand out for uh for you know like the reader or something but it's like um you know like i'm a big fan of of uh you know, glam rock and seventies stuff. And so, you know, he, he was interviewed by Mark Boland from T-Rex once. It was, you know, like, I, I was like, okay, I got to put that in there. You know? I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna not put that in. And like the stuff with Kiss. And so like little, little things like that. And then when, like when Jack Kirby in his career and then Stan Lee in his career start kind of like working in Saturday morning animation and stuff, like that's, that was during like my era. That was, that was, that was me when I was like, you know, three or something was when those like, uh, you know, 80s Marvel cartoons and stuff were coming out. So so that touching on that kind of stuff was a lot of fun, too. Cool. Uh, I want to ask you the opposite tone of Pete's question, and I'm going to ask it in a very reductive manner. But since you did a Jack Kirby biography and you've done a Stan Lee biography, are you team Jack Kirby or are you wow. team Stan oh, Lee? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I think it's like obvious, like uh it's pretty obvious that that I'm I'm like Team Jack Kirby, like that's where I came from. And when I when I did the Jack Kirby book, it's like okay, I did it. I did my comics biography. Never doing one of these again. Like like I can cross it off my list and things like that. So like they, you know there was always going to be a Jack Kirby book for me, just because like like I'm so uh, you know like I'm just so sort of attached to him uh, for a number of reasons, but. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, you know, obviously Stanley, but it's, it's not to, it's not to say I dislike Stanley or don't have immense, uh, you know, affection for him. And, and, the, and, and I, I did, I did meet him once. I never met Kirby. I did meet Stan Lee and I did get the opportunity to tell him, you know, what a fan I am of him and, and, That's awesome. and, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, I, I feel like, it, oh, go ahead, just, just real quick, Alex, yeah, I feel yeah, like it's such a, a split to choose between uh, Lee and Kirby, but I feel like they're both, they are what comics became sort of the like unbridled creation and that carnival barker nature of comics so like they're sort of essential on both sides uh, yeah they're they're part of the dna like that and and um yeah that like it, it's like even like with stan in particular like since i come from sort of an art background the the jack kirby stuff is like it's a little more obvious like the the, the influence and the debt that i owe him but 
with Stan Lee, it's like that Stan Lee voice, that kind of writing that he does, that really is the, you know, that's like the the base tone. Like that's 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 if you're writing comics, that's kind of where you start. And maybe you like do a little more of this or a little less of that, or or maybe you even, you know, deliberately try to do the opposite of some of it. But like the Stan Lee way of uh, you know, comic dialogue or whatever you want to call it is like it's 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 still the standard. Yeah. Uh, to keep plumbing into this a little bit, because having read the book, I I thought it was very interesting how you presented their relationship, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee here. It it felt very poignant about it. It felt very earnest about it. Obviously, they have their friction, but a lot of the time when you're drawing. Jack Kirby, you know, he's chopping on his cigar. He's just kind of hanging out there. He's like, well, I'm a dude. I'm out of here. And even when they have that phone call on the radio show, it's still the tone to me felt very considerate of each other, very loving in a certain way with each other. Obviously, we weren't there. But is that your take on it? Or was that how you toned it? Because you're coming from Stan Lee's perspective? Well, yeah, I mean, the the Jack Kirby in, um, in like my Jack Kirby book uh, was, it was an it was the internal Kirby, like you're seeing Kirby from the inside out, you're seeing like, um, where this one is the external Kirby. So uh, you're seeing a lot more of like how how Kirby comes across in the world, like or, or how Stan might perceive him. So, you know, he does he does look he looks older. He's a little more, uh, you know, tough and gruff and world weary. And yet yeah, fill in the room with smoke and things like that. So it's it's just different because of the because of the point of view. But um, I, I mean, I think, you know, all, all of their uh, the, the tensions that they had with each other um you know, it's there's like you know various like like the points where they're working really closely together and 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 where there's you know resentment of compensation and and who's you know doing more work and things like that and and attention. Um, you know, there's there's it's it's like any any kind of like colleague or or or, or semi friend or professional friend or whatever. But as they got older. They there uh, there were some you know resentments that festered and stayed in there. But as they got older, and I I I think you know anybody that that lives you know beyond a certain age, like you kind of find this that like you, you just have so much more in common as you get older because you know the, the those um, you know the people around you like like they have they had they found they had more in common. Uh, than they did with each other than they did with maybe like, you know, the assistant editors and the writers and, the, you know, that who who were, you know, from from a completely different generation. Can I ask you about a story that really struck me? I had never heard this before. Or if I heard this, I completely forgot this. Um, did Stanley really whip people in the bullpen one time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> there there's like a phase and, and it's interesting, like what to make of it. But Stanley did have this brief phase um you know sort of like post-war where he had a tremendous amount of power and authority and i guess like he was just like the right age he was like still in his 20s and he was um and and he kind of became like just yeah like a huge asshole for and 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 it seemed almost like he got he he got he worked it out of his system or whatever or or maybe you yeah. know if you talk to some people like those those impulses just became less on the surface but he did have this period 
and it was sort of um, like Harvey Kurtzman's wife was the because she she uh, you know worked in the office. She, I think she was stand secretary. I, I forget exactly what, but um, she was she she had all these sort of stories about those uh, those days. Uh, you know this that that version of Stan, and then there there was a, um, you know there there, there was, um, you know like a documentary and stuff, and there was an interview. I, th I think it was with John Ramita, and he you know he's talking about like oh yeah you know Stan would whip us and things like that. And like I'd seen that a bunch of years ago, but then when I was like watching all this stuff again and see like it was you know all these different accounts were sort of coming together, and it's like yes he literally had this like cat and nine tails, and he would come in. And like, you know, work fast, you know, draw faster, you know, things like that and start whipping them. And it's just like, it kind of blew my mind. It's it, like, it's one of those things that, you know, the first couple of times you hear it, you, like it doesn't even compute it. Like it just goes right over your head because you can't imagine. But, but yeah, just that reality of like, you know, young, uh, you know, Enfant Terrible or whatever, you know, yeah. Stan Lee kind of three martinis in. Yeah. yeah. Who, who among us in our 20s? I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. Has yeah. Right. Whipped people in our. Bullpen. I whipped what? some people. Let's not do that. In the Let's afternoon after a long morning. Come on. Come on. Got to keep them motivated. Right. But for, but for Stan, it was like, you know, ha ha ha. It's just a joke. You know, you know. But meanwhile, he's like whipping these guys and they're like, hey, you know, we don't think it's funny. You, you, you know, you think it's funny. We don't. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I really liked that you did, I don't know if we're spoiling too much about this book that's coming out in yeah. a couple of weeks now, but one of the things I really liked you did was uh, taking the stories he would tell and breaking it up over time to either show how they were consistent over time or inconsistent over time as he got older. Can you talk about structuring those sequences in particular? Yeah, I mean, I've like just sort of the the research into memory and what is memory has like just changed so much just in in recent years and come a long way and where uh you know it used to be such kind of like a gotcha moment of like catching somebody in some factual error but what we've we've kind of learned is that like everybody does that and and everybody like it's it's not you know in in like most cases it's not like a deliberate um you know dishonesty or it's just like that's kind of how the human brain works and like none of us are aware of it like we, we are not like we all do it uh to varying degrees and and it's like unthinkable because that that memory just kind of like seems so real but there are like thing you know two different memories get merged and things like that so um you know it it uh and and with stan you know we just sort of have that record and his stories were like you you there's there's just a there's just a record of them and you see them evolve and you see you know the the little changes that happen bit by bit until they get crystallized and then once they're crystallized it's just like it's the stan lee show and he just mm -hmm. it's very rote and he just rattles them off and and it was like going into this book it was a little disappointing um in in, in some respects because I I kept hoping to find because I I thought like yeah okay like let's let's hear Stan's side of the story let's hear, and and then like so much of it uh, was just it's you know the the, the substance just what like the, these were anecdotes and there'd be a laugh and there'd be a this but like you, you didn't you you wouldn't learn much from listening to you know to going to like one of these Stan Lee lectures I guess yeah you'd, you'd I mean, be entertained maybe but. Well, I'll say, I mean, this is not to talk about my personal experience, but when I was working at MTV, we went out to interview Stan Lee, 
And it was great because he was putting on the Stan Lee show just for me sitting across yeah. his desk. And I was like, this yeah. is delightful. I'm having a delightful time. Uh, and we got some great footage there and it was a great interview. But it was the moment that we turned off the cameras and like we were putting them away and starting to put stuff away that he just sort of like slumped down in his seat and became a human being and started talking. And it was such a difference and it was so palpable yeah. in terms of like oh he's just being a person now he's not putting on the stan lee that you see so so yeah i guess he could turn it off sometimes uh, i did want to ask you to that point um i i mean this is i think every comic book fan but i teared up reading the end of this book because the end of his life is such a tragedy in my mind it's so heartbreaking to read what was it like putting that section together in particular for you it was really hard like it was um it was emotionally hard for me like it was like and i i didn't work in sort of strict chronological order when i was working on it but there was it, it kind of like i like those last you know the the last parts of his life a lot of it i was sort of doing it after after going on this this journey with him so it what it what it, it, it it affected me and it what it it had sort of um you know it it stuck like it kind of lasted for a little while for a little while there i was just really uh yeah just like sad and bummed out about about the whole thing and and it and you know different things would happen maybe like in the news or or in comics you know like like with you know maybe his generation or or you know even like the guys who you know are like a generation or two younger than him are still getting up there. And so, so like little things would happen, like it would just really, yeah, it would be, really just be irksome. It was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. Like I was going through it and, and I, I, I could imagine just, cause just as a reading experience, it's like, you're seeing this guy's entire life laid in front of you in this, in this format. And so you really do see like this, this child um, kind of, you know, grow up and, and, and uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, turn into, you know, just kind of age and, 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 and then, you know, go, just disappear. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it was, and so working on it was just this like meditation on mortality and, and, uh, you know, life and, you know. Um, man, well, it definitely got me at the end there. So good, good job on that in terms of channeling yeah. the emotion and everything. Um, before we let you go, anything else you want to plug in particular? Obviously, I am Stan is the big thing that's coming out in a couple of weeks, but anything else people should check out? Yeah, right at the same time, um, the same publisher, 10 Speed, is putting out a softcover edition of Jack Kirby, the Epic Life of the King of Comics, oh, nice. uh, you know, for anybody who missed it the first time around. And, um, and then also uh, from Image Comics, I have this project that's, that's coming out. It's like at the printer right now. It's um, called Jack Kirby's Star Warriors, the Adventures of Adam Starr and the Solar Legion. And cool. it's, um, it, it, it's, it's um, a pretty interesting project. I kind of took this like lost Jack Kirby, um, science fiction series that he did like way at the beginning of his career like like one of the first comic books that it, that oh, he wow. worked on and kind of you know remastered it kind of um because it, it's it's a little like scattered and it's like here and there and over there and i kind of uh solidified it kind of um 
uh, messed around with some of the um, the layouts of it and things because it was such an early work of his that like the drawing was amazing, the writing was amazing, the, sto- the storytelling was amazing, but then the comic book aspect of it was a little off. Like you know, you know, some of those like really old comic books where they're like kind of stacked. In, so I kind of just took them out of that context, gave them like a little room to breathe. And, and cool. you know, did some little things with it here and there, and made made this like really nice presentation. I'm really excited about that that one too. Cool, awesome, uh, awesome. Tom. Congratulations on the book. I can't wait for anybody to see it. I'm definitely going to check out the Jack Kirby one as well. Great talking to you. Thanks, Tom. Still here? Am I still going? Hello. Uh, you were you were gone for a minute there. I think. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, we didn't know what to do. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, the book is called I Am Stan. It is out on September 12th in comic book stores and bookstores everywhere. So definitely check it out, uh, whether you are a Stan Lee fan or fan of comics or just fan of things that we tell you to buy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate fan. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Yeah, there you go. All right, why don't we move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comments over on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, and we'll get to them. They can be about anything. They can be about the geek culture stuff, comic books, love life. Yeah. But the only question I have is, what are you guys drinking tonight? Pete, what you drinking? What you drinking? Oh, just uh, you know, stealing a beer from my brother's fridge. You know, the sh- champagne of beers—is that what you're having? No, I'm having That's... a Miller Light. Isn't that the champagne of beers? Miller High Life, Alex. God, Alex, how come can on, you man. embarrass yourself? This if you don't much, know, right? don't say something. All right. <laughs> Jesus. That's what a podcast is. That's the concept of Jesus a podcast. Christ, if you don't man. know something, you say something anyway. No, we guess it's stuff we claim knowledge of. That's no. the whole <laughs> driving factor. Yeah, and now politics. Let's talk. Yeah, um, I'm drinking hotel room coffee, um, which is like the I don't even. It's not even a Keurig in this hotel room. It's another little device that makes uh, very bad coffee, and boy am I enjoying it. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. That's pretty good. No pumpkin? No pumpkin. You know, caramel pumpkin was not great. So No! Um... <laughs> the caramel pumpkin was bad! Wow! What a, this is why what we a world! Uh, I don't even want to live here anymore. I don't, I, I don't want to even be here anymore. Hashtag I think you should leave. Why don't we get to some questions? This is from Frederico Rosa. Alex gave his opinion last week, but what are you guys thinking about Ahsoka? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. I watched the first episode. Um, Just the first one? There are two. Yeah, Yeah, there are two. Three tonight. I know. 
I only I only had time to watch one. I don't know what oh. to tell you, man. Uh, yeah, I'm busy right now, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to checking out the second one. Do what is your? You like the first one, then? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Great, Justin. No what about you? Uh, I've li- I like it better than a lot of the other stuff. I haven't watched Rebels yet, um, so this makes me want to go back and watch Rebels to really get the backstory. It's it. The it's made a little bit better than some of the other ones, um, so I think that's good. I think the writing's better. It still has this bleak, sort of emotionless tone that all of the new Star Wars have taken on for some reason. And I'm like, is everyone forgetting that the Star Wars, like Leia, had a temper? Harrison Ford was like smiled sometimes, and we just have lost that in Star Wars. That's Otherwise, the thing that. That's the thing that's driving me crazy about it right now because I really want to get into it and I really want to like these characters. I Alex, you already gave your opinion last week. It says oh, that right on the screen there, so you don't, need to, <laughs> you don't need to go into it. You're right. You're right. You only get one opinion. Uh, that's okay, this is from Pablo. What's the best comic you don't want to read again? Wow. Ooh. Wow. That's a tricky question. Um, I mean, I mostly read them once, so I guess all of them. <laughs> what? You never reread? No, I go back to some of the faves, but um, I haven't gone back. I don't know if you know this, Pete, but there are new comics every week, and we read all of those. <laughs> I, I do know that. I've been doing the show with you for over 15 years now. I do think a lot of the stuff that we've purposefully revisited for podcasts are things that I read and thought, well, I'm good. Like Watchmen, frankly, was one that I don't think I would have I read it. I encapsulated it in my body, in my knowledge base. But going back, we did a podcast called Watchmen Watch back when Watchmen was on HBO. We Great reread and revisited HBO. every yeah. issue of Watchmen. And that was a that was a really enjoyable, good experience. I was very happy about that. So I know that's not exactly your question, but that's definitely one that I would not have revisited otherwise. I'm glad we did. Yeah. There you go. Uh, this is from Derek. Worst experience filming Donald filming Donald Trump or getting whipped by Stanley. Wow, real race to the bottom here. I think the actual experience uh, would probably be. I guess filming Donald Trump is the is worse on all fronts. Yeah, the weirdest part. We didn't really talk about this, but the weirdest part about that sequence in the book. Is he's whipping people with his cat of nine tails, and everybody's like, "What are you doing, Stan? Stop it!" He's like, "I'm just joking. What are you talking about? It's just a joke. I'm just whipping you." Which is like, that's not a joke. That hurts. Like there is, there is no world where getting whipped with a cat of nine tails doesn't hurt horribly. Well, I bet he was. Ju- I, I I think a cat of nine tails is sort of harder to because it's so short. You'd really have to get up in there to whip somebody with. I oh, yeah. he was just threatening with them. Yeah, if I ever he was had, actively whipping them, that's pretty. That's even. Crazy. I think that's what he was doing. If I ever got access to a time machine, one hundred percent, the first thing I do is go back there. Be like, was he actively whipping people or like jokingly whipping them? And that's then I'd the go back to my regular doing? time and have like I don't know lunch or whatever. What? Wait, what? Talk to Tom. Talk to Tom. Okay, I'll talk to Tom. Uh, this is just a quick comment from Nat. You can't call it champagne of beers unless it's from the high life region of America. That's a great call, man. That's good. Dude, that's... Save that for your tight five, man. Put that on the side of the case, guy. That's good <laughs> stuff. The high life region of America is, of course, everywhere in America. 
This is from All in the Game. Sorry if you've already touched on it, but any thoughts thoughts for the four-minute official teaser trailer of Rebel Moon? This is the new two-part movie from Zack Snyder coming to Netflix in December and April, I want to say. Have you guys checked out the trailer for this yet? Uh, I have not, but the commentary was, is it, is it possible that Zack Snyder made a good movie? Alex, wasn't that your take? I don't think that was my take. I don't think <laughs> I said anything about it. I... So first of all, the context for this thing is Zack Snyder had a Star Wars pitch that either got turned down or it just didn't work out, and he had written a bunch of it. So he was like, great, I'll just make my own movie that's Star Wars, but I'll change some of the names and stuff. So if you watch the trailer, it's clearly people with lightsabers. There's clearly stormtroopers there. There's like a very Sith Darth Vader style character as well. So it's all that Star Wars stuff, but he's doing it. Um I thought it looked fine. It looked like a Zack Snyder movie. I, the My big takeaway is I saw a lot of people, Zack Snyder fans in particular, posting these comparisons of like what Zack Snyder could do with his iPhone, what Marvel does with $100 million, and footage from Rebel Moon compared to like Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And every time I didn't do this, but I wanted to respond and be like, you know, they both look like shit. <laughs> Wait, so, he filmed this on an iPhone? I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe, I, but uh, it does not look good. I, I, the, idea I, the, of, the idea of Zack Snyder being like, "I'm going to make my, I'm going to rip off Star Wars and shoot it on my iPhone," is like, okay, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Bye. I, I I liked the trailer. I thought it seemed fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Listen, there you go. He's a good visual filmmaker. I uh, like. I don't think he's good at story necessarily, but his stuff looks great when he's really crushing it. So I don't know. I'm always good. I'm always. And it sounds like he didn't need a new story if he just did Star Wars. There you go. So he's good to go. This is from Michael Tillman. We got lots of Easter eggs of the eventual demise of almost every Riverdale character in the last episode. But what the heck happened to Dr. Colonel Jr.? That's a great question. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Yeah, that is. He lives forever alongside uh, Nana Rose. They're mm-hmm. immortal and resurrect. They continually resurrect and they just uh, well, check out corpses. In the, my last season rewrites, I have him as like a warlock slash wizard uh, that teams up with uh, Sabrina and, of course, Cheryl. So, uh, yeah, he lives out uh, his best life. And let me just say, for those of you that maybe don't listen to our Riverdale After Dark podcast, what Pete just said sounded like um, casually said nonsense, but it's something that he, A, wrote down, and B, said in great detail on that other podcast. So, <laughs> don't worry, he means what he said. Yeah, great question, Michael. This is from Max Fuchs. Uh, Max, actually, just as a little note, is the artist of Killmore, which is coming out from IDW on September 13th. It's a great book, and you should check it out. He it's, a, says, it's a nightmare of a book that's <laughs> unbelievable, but it'll haunt you forever. <laughs> he says, I want to know everyone's favorite kind of candy. Pete. I'm going to oh. give Pete 40 minutes to answer yeah. that question. <laughs> uh, all the flavors, all the kinds. All the flavors? All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, every, Just I real quick, when you're saying candy flavors. that I haven't liked. When you're saying flavors, is this like Snickers a flavor? Or is it yes. a... Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I I'm just trying to say everything. 
Um, he has a 1950s soda fountain way of ordering candy. He walks into a place and goes, one candy, please. Yeah. And they hand him a little. Whatever candy. they hand me is great. Uh, I, it really depends on what's going on. If I'm really starving, I go with like a Snickers or something. But, uh, you know, a Milky Way <laughs> is usually the top of uh, my list. More but Butterfinger is also really great. Almond Joy is unbelievable. You know, I, I'm, I also like a Twizzlers. You know what I mean? I'm not a Red Vines guy. I'm a team Twizzlers. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to. When you have candy for dinner, Pete, what's your dessert? Uh, that's when you go with the Choco Taco. Rest in peace. I wish you were still around. Oh, my God. You dig Gross. it out of its grave. I just want to mention, not to keep plugging other podcasts that we do on this podcast, but we do a podcast called Candy Bed, a Sweet Tooth podcast, where we taste candy every episode. And, Pete, you've said many times uh eating candy is a way of making yourself full and i just like i still cannot wrap my mind around that it just when you eat work. enough candy i mean i guess but that's not how you use that stuff ice cream snickers yeah oh yeah come on ice oh wait we didn't answer uh justin what's your snickers. favorite ice cream, ice cream snickers, snickers is your favorite yeah okay mine's twizzlers actually which i know wow. you guys have wow. made fun of me for Yes, that's like saying Necco wafers. Yeah, that's <laughs> like saying I like to chew on electric cords, I guess. Yeah. Frederica Rosa again says, uh, but about comics, what do you guys think was the best decade for comics and what was the worst? Wow. <gasps> that's wildly subjective. Yeah. Um, I gotta, I mean, it also, like, it's when you grow up. Uh, so I would say, like, I found that I have a soft spot for the ni- early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. comics that I read and then went back and read when I was first getting into comics because that's there was a wild time in comics there were so many everyone was putting crazy ideas on the page there was such a vibe to it so that's that's where I'm at yeah I'd say Justin's answer but it's also the worst uh, because of like the insane uh, kind of styles and stuff that happened there was horrible comics that were made in the 80s but i love them and so yeah i mean we yeah i was an 80s 90s kid so uh you know teenage mutant ninja turtles was uh you know the thing that rocked my world and changed uh my love of comics forever but also there was like you know stuff that also came down in that area that i look back at and i'm like oh my god uh but uh, you know, that's the great thing about comics is, you know, if you keep reading, you're just going to find more and more amazing things. So, like, uh, brands. I would throw out, I, I agree with you guys on, like, I think the 2000s were really good just in terms of innovation for the mainstream publishers in particular. But I I sort of feel like right now is one of the best times for comics. I know that's a popular answer in the comments. Well, legitimately, like there are so many different types of comics you can read. It's not if you never want to read Marvel and DC, you don't have to if you don't want to, because there are so many other amazing things going on. You have so many great creators and artists Creator and people owns. who understand how to create something because they've learned the lessons of previous generations. Frankly, like if the image revolution hadn't happened, we wouldn't be getting what we get now because we learned the positive and negative lessons from that. That happened in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. So obviously I have a soft spot for that stuff like you guys do, but comics are really good right now. And in terms of worst decade, just to slag off a decade, I would say the seventies just because that was, 
the time when things were just lost. Like you were past the innovation of the 60s and then you got into a place where everybody was doing whatever garbage they could put out there before you really started to get that innovation again in like the early 80s um, with things like Frank Miller's stuff and Alan Moore's stuff and the British Revolution and whatever. So that feels like a little bit of a lost decade to me, kind of. Yeah, Even though I feel some... like a lot of comic book creators were straight up tripping balls when they were making comics. <laughs> yeah. In the so that was a whole vibe as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. What are your top five popular villains that you'd like to see unleashed on a city? I would love to fight the, um, uh, the uh, what's the, the, and all the cards, the villains who are in every book where they get beat up. Oh, the, the uh, um, <laughs> well, I, can't I, I can't think I start talking about something, like, something gag. It's yeah, 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 yeah. The deck of cards gang, yeah, the deck of cards family of suits gang. Yeah, the oh my um, god, yeah, I know you're talking about. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like it'd, it'd be funny because we could just fight them on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Royal, Royal Flush, Flush gang, gang. Royal Flush to Michael gang. Tillman. Uh, that there'd be a fun to just uh, casually beat up on your way to work, but I gotta give it up for Pace Pop Pete LePage. I wish that guy would threaten uh, New York City like he used to. <laughs> what about uh, you, Pete? Popular villain you'd like to see unleashed on a city? On a city? Well, friend. you gotta go with Magneto because the city's a lot of metal and he can just you know crush your town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And destroy. Well, you want to cr- see him crush your town? <laughs> well, I think you're you know, the that's... villain side. That's what Baltimore. About. Have you heard about that? That place is hell on earth. Stop saying that, you asshole. Um, I just think it's one of those things where you know when you want to see a villain unleashed on something, you want to see what kind of damage can happen. Then hopefully you can you know wake up the next day and be like, oh, it was all a horrible dream. Yeah, I like to see Big Wheel. I think Big Wheel that would be fun. Just like you're walking down the street and you see a Big Wheel come by. And cool. Big Wheels were fun. Those yeah. were good times. Kevin says, other than New York, what is the best and worst depictions of a real city in comics? Ooh. Uh, other than Matthew Rosenberg's Joker Bergy. book, I'm going to say Los Angeles. It's just like, nobody knows what's going on there. Like, for the amount of people that live there, I'm like, what are you doing? This is not... I, I do love you think when... West Coast Adventures uh, handled uh, the Los Angeles? Lifestyle? They were like, well, here we California are fighting is. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame again. Uh, I love when they put, I love when they put Texas in a book. Uh, you know, we were talking about blue beetle and some of the old, uh, uh, blue beetle two thousands with Jimmy Reyes with just some beautiful stuff. Uh, sometimes they do a great job with, uh, uh, Texas and, uh, uh, the, just kind of the big sky stuff and the different colors you get. It's a little different than a city backdrop. So I always enjoy that. I think Canada is always pitch perfect in comics. No notes. No notes. They always, they always really nail. Yeah, Alpha Flight knocks it out of the park every time. Every time, yeah. You're you like, can tell they really did some fact finding <laughs> missions up in Canada whenever they would take out an Alpha Flight book. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right, there we go. That is it for your audience questions. Boop 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 boop. Yeah. We are going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete the Page. All right. Hot Pete LePage. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online or, of course, Long John Silvers for some reason. Uh, we're looking for someone to just kind of put a hand up or, uh, you know. Ooh, David uh, Quinley will do Quinley. it. 
Oh yeah, we got there the, we Quinn, go. the Quinn All cycle. Right. The Quinjet. Yeah. Quinley is up. So just answer in the comments and we will get you set up here. Um, I'm probably going to feed you them in the comments, but Pete, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, Bob Barker, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Kelly Thompson is writing, what Marvel comic coming soon? Is it A, it's Dupe, B, it's Jeff, the Jeff Universe number one, or C, Joe Sackick? Uh, so, one in doubt, always go with maybe the longer one, which is B, it's Jeff, you know, just as a little bit of a hinter. Just to check if that was the answer, is this a new It's Jeff book? It's Jeff, Jeff Universe? Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, number one. It's a new It's oh, Jeff sweet. book. My son's going to be Universe. so excited. He's been asking about a new It's Jeff book for a while. Uh, people yeah. love Jeff. I don't know what you're David says, is. hey, he got it wrong, so I guess he lost trivia. I ah, guess he Palmer, did we'll lose trivia. Time, yeah, maybe. that's the uh, first time in 16 years of the show that somebody's lost trivia. But Yeah, but of course it's B. Wait, no, can't you get two, right? Oh, yeah, he could do like three? two. Uh, yeah, but really is, run the board. Nat is asking, who is Jeff? Jeff is a land shark who Hawkeye and Gwenpool hang who out with. Who is Jeff? Come on, Nat. Turn in your nerd card. Who is Jeff? Unbelievable. All right, I here we go. Nat lost worse than David, so David's back in. Yeah, all right. What DC book, question number two, what DC book will Tom Taylor be writing? Is it A, Titans Beast World number one, B, is that his last name or just his initial, C, David K? Oof. <laughs> Really leaning towards B here. That's well, after he got the first one wrong, I wanted to make it super clear, uh, and only one of them is the title of a uh, comic book, and that is A. So uh, I want to make it easy for our uh, people who nicely volunteer. That's really nice. It's hard to hear all the words you say, though, so you never know what people are going to say. That's true. Also, I, yeah, I, I stumble over words. I don't speak well. There's a lot uh, going against people who volunteer. Yeah. A? Is it A? Yes, it is A. Wow. All right. Here we go. Nice. Okay. One, one and one. One and one. No, Last no, one. No, Here no. we go. What is the new project coming out for Ram V? Is it called A, Waiting for Beer? B, Waiting to Die? Or is it C, fill up beer? <laughs> so uh, we might want to go with B on this one, just so mm. you know there, David. Uh, yes, Beast World is correct. Uh, nice. What? what? No, that was the last one. <laughs> that was, that was the last question, slow. but still yeah. correct. So it's great to be right. <laughs> yeah, if you answer right. the same question multiple times, you get multiple points for it. So congratulations, David. You have won the quiz just hit us up on email and we will get you a gift card to literally wherever you want. We got it. I got Kevin a gift card to Barnes and Noble the other day. So there's no rules anymore. Oh, that's a nice treat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, B is correct uh, for the last and one. And there's no movie. way this movie's not Happy Gilmore, right? It's definitely Happy Gilmore. We're talking about, of course, the 1996 cult comedy classic. Happy Gilmore. Would you call that a cult comedy classic or a blockbuster comedy? <laughs> <laughs> it came out in the 90s. Yeah, but people, you know, uh, has that cult following. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess if um, our entire American culture is a cult, then that's technically a cult class. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you Speaking for of cults, as we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. What are you guys looking forward to that's coming out this week, Pete? Oh, man, uh, I got a, a straight Marvel pick where it's Miss Marvel, the new mutant number one, the Incredible Hulk number three, and Blade number two are all my favorites. Oh. Mm. Pete, Justin, what about you? A, picking a comic that is tied to the fall of X event. What a coup. Uh, the Marvel folks will be celebrating in the streets tonight, no doubt. I got to give it up for Local Man Gold, uh, which mm-hmm. is a, a book from Image I've been really enjoying by our, our main man, touchy-feely Tim Seeley, um, about a 90s-style uh, image hero who comes back to his hometown after his life gets all messed up. Um, and I also want to shout out Cosmic Detective, which comes out not this week, but in a couple weeks, uh, by Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. That book looks like it's going to be excellent. Yeah, but who knows? I guess I will give a shout out to a bunch of stuff that's coming out this week. I was really looking forward to Gnort's illustrated swimsuit issue, which is worth it for the art alone. Oh, worth it for the pun alone. Worth it for the pun alone. They had me at the pun. I was like, I'm in. You son of a yep. bitch, I'm in. Uh, all a second Miss Marvel the DB, that feels like the big title of the week. Very curious to see what they do with that. Also, very into the idea of Action Comics presents Doomsday Special, where Doomsday is the king of hell. That's yeah. a wild thing from Dad Waters, who's been on. A That's great what I call run. a swerve. That's yeah. a swerve. Sick man. covers, sick covers, and very interested to see what they're going to be doing with Ultimate Invasion, as that is leading into a new Ultimate Universe. Should be interesting to check out, mm. and folks. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people to thank. We want to thank Tom Scioli for coming on. Check out I Am Stan. Coming out of bookstores and comic book stores on September 12th. Also, Scott Brian Wilson and Max Fuchs for coming out. Check out IDW's Kilmore on September 13th. Next week on the show, Mel Valentine Vargas is going to be here for Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass. Oh, no, me? yeah, you. And Simon Hanselman and Josh Pettinger are going to be here to talk about Werewolf, Jones, and Sons. Bunch of other podcasts for us to plug. Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. We just launched this. A Scott Pilgrim podcast. We're going to be counting down to the Netflix series. Comic Book Club News, our daily comic book club news podcast coming out Monday through Friday. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast coming out weekly with also some DC news right now. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. That'll be probably coming back with some news as well. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast should be done, but it's not. We have a new episode coming out tomorrow. Talking about your theories and questions, patreon.com slash comic book club. Support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, everybody. Take care of yourself. Oh, God.